Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. So for me, it's kind of answering the little girl who, you know, wanted to play around with makeup, but not really transform. I wanted to see my skin. I wanted to be able to celebrate my dark skin and not really cover it up or try to be lighter. And that kind of effortless, like on the go makeup style wasn't there and still really doesn't exist. Welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We're your hosts, Jill Dunn and Carleen Higgins. Hey, hey, beauty pod fam. Hey, Carleen. Hello, Jill, and welcome back to our show, friends. So today we have a founder episode for all of you. And if you've been with us from the beginning, you know that we started our show doing only founder episodes more than four years ago. We really aim to profile the iconic products and beauty, helping listeners edit their top shelf. And you know what, Carlene? Like the reality is, is that there's this whole new guard that's bringing a really unique, fresh point of view to beauty. And today's guest is definitely leading the charge. Today, we welcome Jada and Jai. She is the Harlem raised first-generation Senegalese-American founder of Ami Kole, a brand-new eco-conscious beauty range designed to celebrate melanin-rich skin. The line launched literally this past week with a trio of skin-enhancing products in beautiful Hermes-like orange packaging. There's a skin tint, a highlighting balm, and a lip oil that were three years in the making. And everything's vegan, cruelty-free, fragrance and alcohol-free, in recyclable packaging. And really, it's another big step forward in diversifying the quote unquote clean beauty aisle online anyway. Absolutely. And everything that Jada does with I think is so special about this range is just it just feels so personal to her. Mm-hmm. And I love those stories. And so perhaps that's why Ami Cole has already attracted some pretty bold faced investors. So there's Henry Davis. He's the former Glossier president. There's Hannah Bronfman. There's also who what wears Catherine Power and the venture capital firm Imaginary Ventures. And that was co-founded by Natalie Massonet. And she mm-hmm. was the woman who revolutionized revolutionized retail forever with Net-A-Porte. Yeah. So there's indie brands on a shoestring and then there's like indie brands on a velvet rope, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I think that you guys are going to love our chat today. Jada is the real deal. She's got mad beauty cred having worked over at L'Oreal and at Glossier for eight years before venturing out on her own. 
So she's going to tell us all about that career journey, why her melanin-centric beauty line is so needed and refreshing right now, and how the past year of activism and reflection has impacted both startup life and herself personally. And here she is. Welcome, Jada. Jumping in to let you know about our show partner, Skillshare. So I just had my birthday and you know us Geminis, we get bored so easily. If I'm not learning and absorbing new info, yawn. So that's why I'm pumped to be partnering with Skillshare. It's an online learning community that offers membership with meaning and you can learn new skills in a snap. So one class that I've just started taking is called Productivity for Creatives, and it's hosted by Thomas Frank. And honestly, what I love about it is that, yes, it's teaching me new skills and tools that I can apply to keep on task and not like daydream my day away, but it's also really digestible. So it's divided into chapters almost, so you can bite it off one section at a time. And it's teaching me how to become more efficient with template ideas for videos and delegating tasks. So I just find it's like very good, clear, concise info and makes me feel a lot more organized. Plus, it's not dry or boring to watch. Some other classes that I'm really interested in include portrait photography and as well as creating um, bomb one-minute videos for Instagram. I feel like we can all use tips on that. And you can even take singing lessons or learn to decorate cookies. You know, my Gemini self, I'm getting really excited over here. So much to learn. So Skillshare really sets you up for success and personal growth. So you just enter a keyword about what you want to learn about and voila, so many options at your fingertips. It's also incredibly affordable, especially when you compare it to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. So we have a very special offer just for Breaking Beauty listeners. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash beauty and get a free trial of a premium membership. That's Skillshare.com slash beauty. We'll link to that offer in our show notes and on our blog. And now back to the show. Hey girl, hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all, but then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. So can you tell us a bit about where you're from and some of your first like beauty memories? So born and raised in Harlem, I'm actually still in Harlem. (laughs) Um, I took advantage of the pandemic situation and came back home. So yes, born and raised in Harlem, first generation Senegalese American. Uh, My mom has had a hair braiding salon on 125th Street, the legendary 125th, for about 33 years now, 32 years. So I spent a lot of time just around women getting their hair done at the salon. As you can imagine, everything goes down at the salon. (laughs) Some things I probably (laughs) didn't need to hear, but some things that I really enjoyed was just watching women come in. Um, And if you're getting your hair braided or like a weave installed, it takes like 
anywhere from like four to six to eight hours. So you're spending a lot of time, very intimate with, um, with people doing your hair. So yeah, I, I left then. And then I like, you know, you leave this bubble of, of what beauty means for you, you know, very intimately. And then you go out into the real world. Um, and that's yeah. when I, you know, went to Syracuse university, which was like a huge culture shock. I was like, again, like born and raised in Harlem, like, where am I? <laughs> Upstate New York from Harlem. That's quite a different world for sure. It was so different, even though it's still New York. But um, yeah, being myself, I you know still found a way to work in beauty. So I worked at Sephora at the mall, <laughs> part time. <laughs> part time uh, going, well, full time going to school, um, and I just became that girl. Like whenever anyone needed to get their lashes put on or their wing line to just like snap, they would come to my dorm room, and I was the girl. So that's <laughs> epic. Yeah, I that continued. I left, and I did like. A little stint in fashion, working at Rebecca Minkoff and interning at Teen Vogue, Miss Beauty again. So I, I worked at Tem2, which is an airbrush makeup company. Right. Where did you go from there? Did You went on to a bigger company, right? I did. I graduated into the world of L'Oreal. You know how it is, especially if you're like a beauty marketer. You have to pass mm-hmm. and do your dues. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like either Estee Lauder or L'Oreal. And for me, it was L'Oreal, uh, L'Oreal Paris to be specific. And I went there for about two and a half years, two years. And it was just all about, especially when I went in, it was all about influencer. Like, how do we create the story? This is when we're doing the crazy, yes. like, helicopter trips and like Sandra Pay trips, trying to get that EMV going and like <laughs> all those things. So tell us more about the culture and like, what year was this again? Yes. Ooh, what year was this? That's a good question. I don't even remember. I tried to like. Yeah. <laughs> Not that long ago, right? It couldn't. No, it couldn't have been that long. Maybe like five or six years ago now. Yeah. 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 So the culture, you know, for just to give even more context, I think especially being a first generation, I didn't end up being a doctor or like a brain surgeon. So L'Oreal was a pretty big deal for my family because they were like, okay, well, she has a real job. <laughs> we, mm. we know we heard of L'Oreal's. Yeah. Something right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it was a huge deal because it, it was the affirmation. It was like, you know, I've been working so hard and, you know, a recruiter reached out to me like this is a huge deal. So for me, I went in there googly eyed. I'm like, what do I do? How do I make this better? Like, just tell me what to do. I was so eager and so a little naive about it. So I went in there and it was just that it was uh, at the time we had like a kind of a war room that was like a social media room and like all the, mm-hmm. the social media managers were put together in one room. So I was sitting there with Maybelline, with Etsy, L'Oreal Paris, Etsy, Maybelline and Garnier and all the social media mm-hmm. together. We had this war room of, of metrics that were up like CNN, like a trading stock. It was bizarre to be like, this influencer post, we went up 20,000 impressions. I'm like, what is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) So it was very interesting to see the data aspect or the data focus on, on, on just marketing and social and people like marketing people and their stories. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, it became very clear. I kid you not within like a couple of months that this was an institution that was very I hate to say it, but I'm going to be, I'm going to keep it real, but very monolithic in their view of beauty. This is pre Fenty. So we would hear things like, you know, we don't really need 24 shades. We can just do 12. They don't buy. They as in my people. <laughs> uh, mm. Or, you know, we've had, we've had Maybelline and we've had, you know, um, Giorgio Armani shades for, for the longest, but they just don't purchase. They don't buy. And me as a consumer, and I know myself and I know my people, again, being in Harlem and especially of African descent, like, you know, some of these people, like they put on and they transform. It was hard to believe. 
And then I remember, I'm like, you never marketed to us. There was no billboard. Right. There was no 125th Street. And, you know, like, you know, when you look at like the Dapper Dan now with Gucci, like that flooded 125th Street and it became a huge moment because the marketing was correct. Um, and then later, when you fast forward a year um, at my tenure there, it was like, oh, wait, Rihanna's doing something over here and, and something's happening. There's traction happening. And then you go on, on you know, Twitter and like all their deeper tones are sold out. Um, and mm-hmm. it became very clear that something wasn't happening. but as you can imagine, as a human being, as a Black woman working in that space, it was very tough. It was very silencing and ostracizing. I remember, you know, asking very publicly and very respectfully, like, hey, like, we need an employee resource group, you know, like, it's, it's okay to all, for all of us to have our differences in this space. But, you know, if all the women of color and men of color got together and, and able to support each other in this institution, I think it will benefit everyone. And the response mm-hmm. was no we're not doing that. It, it, you know, it will, it will further segregate people at the, at the company. And like, it, it only can be like women of color, not just like specifically for like black people, black women. I'm like, just because we're pro us doesn't mean we're against everyone else. Like Facebook's doing it and like Buzzfeed is doing it and they're thriving and they're able to have, you know, these Friday informationals where you're sharing food and sharing music and understanding the culture. And as a marketer, I think that's just so important to um, really understand who you're talking to and how. And Mm -hmm. um, I've had that happen. I've had like someone actually call me the N word at work and it it just, it was traumatic to me. And I, I, I can't leave that alone because it was my experience. And Mm-hmm. And that was early too. So I still stuck it out, still like, you know, well, let me be the champion of change in this space. You know, I've been, you know, granted this access to come to the ivory towers. And I'm like, you know what? I'm walking away. And I walked away with no job. <laughs> I didn't even tell my parents, yeah. like, I cannot survive or thrive here. So I got to leave. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think there's, there's probably so many people of color who have tried to be that champion of change from the inside. They're like, I'm here, I'm going to make it happen. But like, I'm sure at some point it's just so exhausting because you're the, maybe the only person in the room. It would be so probably tough to even like bring up the conversation. That's a huge starting point. And then you're just like shut down. Like I can't, I imagine that's very like demoralizing over time. Yeah, it was. And and you 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 keep grabbing onto thin air, like thinking and hoping that, you know, if you, you know, find this person in like, you know, multicultural and then like something happens where you're just always in trouble. <laughs> I always ended up in someone's office room like you need to buckle it down. I'm like, it was just an email <laughs> saying that <laughs> if I'm asking my agency, uh, you know, to pull together, a, you know, a league of influencers and we are saying that our goal this year is to reach a billion, you know, new customers, then I expect that to be a multicultural subset of people. So if mm-hmm. you're sending me a hundred influencers and 97 of them are white women, I feel like we have a problem. And I think it's interesting, you know, not to just pinpoint one company, because I think it's a lot of big companies and and a lot of people will relate to your experience. But you know, having Monroe Bergdorf come in and step into that role to be like a diversity, inclusivity consultant and, and you know, sit on a board. I'm curious what your thoughts are. And if you think that there has been any progress in the last year, especially in beauty with Sharon Shooter, obviously, and her influence has been so huge with pulling up. I mean, not that you can speak for everyone, but from your own experience, I'm curious what you think. Yeah. And, and good point about not speaking for everyone, because there are some like L'Oreal fanatics that are like, that's just your experience. I'm like, I do not want to speak on behalf of all women the same way I don't speak on behalf of all yeah. Black people. I'm just saying this yeah. is my experience. I actually was at L'Oreal when that situation happened with Monroe. And I just kept mm. saying like, 
again, it becomes like this idea where like suddenly you're insane and suddenly you're ungrateful. Suddenly you should be just blessed to be in, in the building or in the environment. And she wasn't having it. And I was so happy about that. And I remember, I think even talking like to maybe even like, I think it was Philip Phil at, at Team Vogue about it. I'm just like, someone has to do it. And unfortunately it's this case of luck and cards that it happens to be you and like your heart can't take it and you have to speak up. Um, but I felt that, you know, that dismissal or like we are no, no longer associated with you, like the silencing aspect I, I mm-hmm. fully related to. And like, um, by the time they came back maybe in the last, what, two years and maybe post Black mm-hmm. Life Matters, they came back and said, wait, let's actually look at the root of the situation and change it. And mm-hmm. I've always been a champion of that. Even walking into those doors, I knew there was an issue. I'm a consumer. I go to Dwayne Reed and CVS and I'm looking for my shade all the time. And, and I remember, you know, being ready for makeup and, and trying to get the, you know, the Maybelline mousse foundation and not finding it. So now that I'm here, I'm so excited to change that and so excited to show you like, but all that to say, fast forwarding a little bit, I am appreciative of, of those you willing to put action behind it. And we witnessed throughout the, what, the last two years, last year specifically, where like, you know, the black squares went up a plenty and then the follow through happens to, you know, fall through. And that, that's when it hurts, you know, the actual customer that you're mm-hmm. um, trying to, to help. So I think at the end of the day, it's a power dynamic and, and helping that power dynamic shift and trying to see mm-hmm. uh, how we can in, in, uh, empower, uplift and amplify those voices that have been kind of silenced mm-hmm. for a while and directly from people that it affects. So it's important to have Monroe in the room and, and hopefully um, incite more change internally versus just consultants, you know, having more people mm-hmm. um, who are executive suite, who understand people who have been through the ranks. So that assistant that has been at L'Oreal for 12 years, like, promoter, senior vice president, for God's sakes, don't go all the way to Paris and, <laughs> and try to get like another man to come in there. I'm like, this girl's been here for 15 years, like cut her some slack. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so after you worked at L'Oreal, you mentioned that you quit. So tell us what happened next, because it was kind of unexpected. It was unexpected. So one stint, I, I think I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to freelance. I think I got this. I, I freelanced for like three weeks, I think. <laughs> and I got an email from Emily Weiss. And she's like, at first, you know, Glossy's really good with those like personalized emails. I'm like, look how cheeky these yeah. are. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this feels really wonderful. There's like cherries in the subject line. Yeah. yeah. Little I'm like, look how cute. What else are they launching? And, and I opened the email and it was Emily and she's like, I had this crazy idea, like call me. I'm like, what? So I called her and I'm like, she's like, Hey, like what you doing? I'm like, you know, just left L'Oreal. No, she joked and said, you know, are, are you like in a L'Oreal closet, like hiding somewhere to take this call? <laughs> Actually I quit. <laughs> I quit about three weeks ago and I'm like on the market, but I'm, you know, consulting, like what's going on. And for me, I'm like, oh, social media. I've been doing so much social media now for about 12, yeah. like, you know, eight years now. So like, you know, let's see what's going on. And she's like, well, like, what, how would you feel about doing product development? I'm like, what is that? <laughs> like, are we talking like tech product development or are we talk like, what are you talking about? Because I'm not, I've never been a product developer. And she's like, listen, you know, we'll teach you all the nine of like the actual works of product development, but we need someone who like understands the consumer 
And like you've been like Glossier, like day one, <laughs> I was, I was like top shelfy, like back in the day. And I, re I remember when they were even developing their skin tints, like the deeper shades way back when, um, when Glossier was just a concept, I remember working with them, um, just as a customer and like Instagram fanatic. So fast forward, what, three years, um, here's this email and she's like, I'm like, I don't know if I'm the person for this job because I've never done PD. Um, and she's like, nope, we have the team here. We need to continuously think about like, you know, what will the comment be on this product? So like the, the texture, the story, all of that. So like, come on over and try it. I'm like, okay, I think it's just Emily talking. I'm not going to get through all these interviews. So that's just fascinating to me, the way her mind works. Like, I'm just going to say it. Never heard a story like that in my life. Well, I've never like anything like that. Right? You're like, I literally don't think I'm the right person for this job. <laughs> no, you are. You know, social media. You're going to come on in and start making products. And I was like, okay. Like, well, we, I was very vocal. I'm like, I've never done this before. I am not a chemist, but I tell you what, I do love products. I went there and as you can imagine exactly what happened, I was not, <laughs> I was <laughs> like, what's going on? It felt like, not, like I was like playing tennis with Serena Williams. <laughs> if I could give you an analogy, it was like, Packaging goes here. This goes there. Da, da, da. It was like, what is going on? So I felt like the 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 one year and a half that I was there felt like five. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But I learned a lot. I will say that I learned a lot, and I and it just like even propelled me even harder to um, kind of even faster to, to to do what I'm doing now. And it's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is great, but there's still something missing here. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm not home yet. I'm yeah. not home yet. I'm not feeling it. And I'm, I'm glad that I was in the belly of the beast. But like, how do I apply this to something that really hits home um, to people that I brunch with, eat with, call, pen pal with? Like, this is not connecting for me. Hi, friends. Busting in for a moment to talk to you about some late breaking news, courtesy of our friends at High Smile. So, Newsflash, I used a teeth whitening kit that didn't make my teeth feel like they were scraping on glass afterwards. That's like front page material for someone like me who's suffered from sensitive teeth every single day of my adult life. I'm talking about the new PAP Plus teeth whitening formula from High Smile, the Australian teeth whitening brand you've probably seen all over Instagram. It looks like a flying saucer disc. You slide it in your mouth and it's got this bright blue LED light on it. And frankly, I was skeptical about trying it. I actually told the folks at High Smile that if I had any sensitivity afterwards, I wasn't going to be able to promote it on our show. Fast forward to testing it not once, but three times. And I can honestly say that it lived up to the promise for me. So you just put the formula onto the tray, leave it in for 10 minutes and boom, you have noticeably brighter results after one use. There's actually a little card with like varying degrees of, I don't know, like yellow on it so you can track your results. And I'll be honest, I drink a lot of tea. It's the British in me. So mine went from like an eight to a seven with one being the brightest um, already after just a few uses. And the kit comes with six individual treatments. So I'm excited to continue to build up those results. Now that I know it's not going to cause me any pain or sensitivity, I'm, I'm going to keep going. Uh, the formula is free of PEG, SLS, paraben, and peroxide as well. 
And because smile care is kind of like the new skincare, you can even get into a daily routine by using their new PAP Plus toothpaste and mouthwash that has the same formula in it for whiter teeth without pain or sensitivity. So if you'd like to get your hands on High Smile's new clinically proven peroxide-free range of smile care products, you can today via their website at www.highsmileteeth.com. That's www.highsmileteeth.com. And so what was the moment? Were you on a beach or where were you when you were like Amicole? Like what happened? Yeah, you know what? I feel like Amicole had always been in the back of my mind that just constantly whispering like, girl, you can do this, girl, you can do this. I'm like, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I got to go to L'Oreal. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to know everything first. And to be really, really frank, I think the industry wasn't ready either. They weren't ready to have the conversation. I was just so close to those NPD reports and like looking at those massive reports and I just could not even find myself on the reports. I'm like, why is there no consumer testing for this cohort of women? And we know that, you know, she buys and she's loyal and she's always searching and those, those average orders are higher because she's always exploring for that right fit. Couldn't find any data. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was up until like 2017 when NPD finally reported on, on the black consumers and household and beauty when we realized the purchasing power. But to fast forward a bit, um, I think after Glossier and after quite frankly being quite exhausted and like just trying to, you know, fit in or get in there and, and make a stream or, or like forge this relationship with, with the community that I come from, I'm like, why am I not do it? Like, let, let's see what happens when I try. And I even like Snapchat or Instagram this. I'm just like, hey, guys, this is real crazy. But I feel like I'm going to do my own thing. (laughs) And I feel like I'm going to document the entire thing on Instagram. And like, I don't care if I fail, but at least I'll try. So I promised myself every single day I'll do one thing. And it started with like, you know, you know, coming to the realization and writing out a business plan, which I'm like, whatever. (laughs) And (laughs) that sounds painful. (laughs) Business plan. And I came back, I think it was like July and, you know, Cosmoprof was happening. I think that weekend and I just booked my ticket on a credit card. I'm like, I'm going to Cosmoprof, uh, which is this huge convention where all the, um, you know, product developers and packaging, they all come to Vegas to, you know, of course, you know, show their things and also party. Um, I'm like, I don't know if I'm getting there, but I'm going to Vegas. So I went out there, I booked my little appointments and I'm like, okay, well, I did that. Let's see what's next. And I'm like, okay, I did my follow-ups. Let's see what's next. And honestly, that is what happened um, for the past two and a half years, building this slowly and slowly. And yeah, I don't know if there was an aha moment because it's just been so engraved in me and everything just kind of came as a cliche as it sounds, but I'm grateful that I listened and I had the courage to be a bit crazy about it. I'm curious though, you know, it could have been a very natural segue for you to get into hair, yeah. you know, growing up around a salon. And there's a lot of, it's starting to become more popular, like all the shades with foundation and that where it's problem solution. So I'm curious what your specific goal was that you were like, this is what I want to do in this space. What's your unique take with this brand? I love that question. And people always ask me about hair too. I'm like, I'm like, ironically, I'm not that great at hair. <laughs> I think one thing that I struggled with, and just to be quite frank, was just 
self-esteem, you know, for a very long time growing up in Harlem, very dark skin. This was pre, you know, being from Africa was cool before like, you know, um, Afro beats and the whole movement that has happened in the past, um, I guess you can say five to six years didn't exist. So we, we, I was always like the kind of black sheep growing up, even in Harlem, you know, people would be like, why are you so dark? Like, I really just genuinely want to understand. And I'm like six years old. I'm like, I don't know. I just came to school. I don't know. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And especially, um, you know, even with my aunties, and I love them to death, like bleaching the skin is a huge like thing and issue in, mm. in our culture. So um, a lot mm. of the beauty products, even today, if they do not brighten your skin or lighten your skin or clarify your skin, it's not a good thing. So the, the standard of beauty is kind of graduating, you know, even skipping makeup and going into skin bleaching. Um, so much so that wow. I've personally been offered skin bleaching cream. Like, oh, wow, you're like 16 now. You should start bleaching your skin. And I was just like, well, mm. why would I do that? And, and I, no one could explain to me why I would do that. It, it was never like, oh, you will look prettier to men. It was never like, oh, this is like, no, like you just have to. And I'm just like, okay, well, there's an issue here. I don't want to bleach my skin. And it, this is affecting you. Like, and you're not saying it out loud, but like you feeling, you know, confident in your melanin and in your skin is not a thing. And even now, I don't even... To be quite frankly, I don't even know if this makeup style will resonate back home because people want full coverage. They want transformation. So for me, it's kind of answering the little girl who, you know, wanted to play around with makeup, but not really transform. I wanted to see my skin. I wanted to be able to celebrate the, my dark skin and not really cover it up or try to be lighter. And that kind of effortless, like on the go makeup style wasn't there and still really doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So I was just talking to my girlfriends over brunch and like talking to my friends who I know love the same similar look. Um, like, you know, what are you doing? Like, I was like, oh, you know, it's easy. I'll just take my foundation. I'll cut it with some oil. I'll do this. I'll just use concealer and do this and that. I'm like, why doesn't this exist where we can just have one skin tint that's specifically for us, that's not ashy, that you can like see the skin and cover up some, you know, demarcations or hyperpigmentation, but not the full story. So the first one was like makeup style and that kind of missing out there. And then two, I really want girls to feel confident. Like there is something about, especially this last two years, wearing less makeup and feeling confident in that, just to be able to see you and see your skin. So two of those things put together, I think it was just selfishly trying to fill the void. Who knows what other categories we'll venture into, but I think we, it was really important for us to start there. Yeah, that's amazing. And so the star product of the line, in your opinion, I know you're launching with three products. If someone out there is listening, what would you say is like the hero? The gateway. Japan? Yeah. Oh, the, the, the gateway. <laughs> I am biased, of course, but I will say that this skin tint, I'm just saying, this skin yeah. tint. Yeah, it sounds pretty unique. It's so glowy. And I was just even talking to some editors like, oh, at the Lord, it's with the gloss. They're like, what, how is this possible? Where it's like, you know, skin tints are a bit tricky. It can be either really greasy on the skin. It can be like too glowy or too sheer or, you know, just not right in terms of undertones specifically. Um, so we did a lot of research just talking to our customers. We had about like 400 women just sit down and say, listen, girl, this is what I'm using. This is the exact shade in, in NARS, the exact shade in MAC and the exact shade in Fenty that I'm using. Make this for me. And we did just that. So we, we did like a huge heat map mm -hmm. in our apartment. And like we just kept running on all those all those plastic shades that kept coming up. We took that data and then we went to our chemists and we went, we hired a PD specialist that came from this world. Um, you know, specialists that, that understand like this needs to hit more blue or hit more yellow and knock down this and knock down that the language that I didn't have um, to be able to kind of edify these, these shades. So 
I would say this is our baby. All of our products have baobab seed oil in them and it's made to, to love and nourish on the skin. So we're kind of merging this idea of skincare and, and makeup together. Um, but again, not in the art of transformation. Even those that love a beat face, this mm-hmm. is your Sunday makeup or your you know date night makeup. <laughs> <you> wanna- <laughs> this is for you as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And so is it one universal shade or are there multiple shades? Yeah, sorry. So for the skin tint, there's six shades. Um, so we range from the deep, dark story of like, you know, South Sudanese and, and, and Senegalese uh, skin tones um, all the way to medium, uh, medium skin tones where if you, you'll see, oh, you'll see on Monday our campaign. <laughs> um, but Shana, she's of Hispanic descent, um, one of my best friends, Filipino, very light and fair skin. Um, and, you know, my Saudi friends, the medium shade works for them. So we've been able to stretch it out a little bit. And, you know, skin tints is usually like six shades anyway. So it's like six shades of brown um, that we really focus yeah. on those undertones. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that you're getting really real and describing the tones. And it's not yes. like we've got chocolate, we've got latte, we've got caramel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, absolutely. What's the best, <laughs> like, one-liner feedback you've gotten, like, from one of your girlfriends or your mom or your sister or something. Oh my God. I recorded it. It's the best thing ever. I, I, I recorded it. <laughs> my friend, my friend, Abina, she came over to my house and I was like, so nervous. You know, when you first give a sample out, you're like, Oh my God, let's see where, where this goes. You know? <laughs> so she tries it on. She's yelling. I kid you not in my Brooklyn apartment in the mirror. Like it looks like my skin though. <laughs> She's Aww. yelling. Again. She's like, no, but seriously, you know, when you get like the deep dark, it becomes muddy and it, and it like masks your skin. So like if you are the ducky thought or if you were like, you know, like Sukena, who's like, I think she's like up here somewhere, like Sukena's shade. On it gets mood board. Me- yes, I have a mood board behind me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh-huh. Almost looks dirty. It's a little muddy, but we really wanted to focus on that undertone and like, yes, you can have neutral, but like it doesn't have to be like straight black on the skin. So Watching her, mm-hmm. I literally had to go back to her. I'm like, hey, girl, we might need to use this on a paid ad. Is that okay? Like, I need you to sign a waiver. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a true friend. Uh, true friend. She was like, like for thanks it. for the feedback. Can you sign here, though? <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, like, how do you like to apply it? Do you use, like, a beauty blender and sponge it on? Or, like, how do you work it into your routine? Yes. So I am a fingers girl. Thanks to Sir John. So John's like, always use your fingers. It heats and melts. I'm like, okay, all right now. <laughs> so I, I, I have for a long time been using my fingers, but we're actually developing some tools just because not everyone wants that. Um, so I've been using this mm-hmm. very like dense kabuki esque thing, uh, thingy mm-hmm. that I've been applying it on now. But um, it's very versatile, and like it's it's one of the skin tints that can actually work with the beauty blender because you know sometimes uh, with the beauty blender uh, it it takes away and kind of sucks in the, the product, but. Um, yeah. It doesn't really do that with well, the, the original beauty blender doesn't really do that on it. So I'm really excited about that. And I just dab it on. I always mm-hmm. start in the center of my face because my nose is a little bit lighter than the rest of my face. So I start there and kind of gleam it out and then just like kind of rub it down a little bit. But it feels like a moisturizer and you can, and it doesn't feel like heavy mm-hmm. on the skin. I can't wait for you guys to try it, but it's very lightweight. It's breathable. It's a summer friendly makeup as well but also really, really yummy during the winter too when you need an extra cushion of, of moisture. Yeah. Uh, so is Sir John's uh, kit in the mail or what? Has he received it yet? Every day. I'm like, I know you got this. I see the track in the open that kit. He's like, I got you, girl. I got, you know you got to be on Sir John. <laughs> 
Yeah. Just take a little picture. Just post. It's no big deal. John Stories Reels. I know you hear me. Now a moment of pause for our friends at Barefoot Scientist. So I don't know about you guys. I've been in lockdown for the past, I don't know how long, and I haven't had a pedicure in over a year. It's killing me. So I want to tell you how I'm turning my feet around right now with Barefoot Scientist. It's scientifically advanced skincare for your feet. Every single product is specifically formulated for the unique needs of your feet using the very best ingredients from science and nature. Their formulations are rigorously researched, tested, and optimized. You know you're getting the best. So here are the three products I used. First, I started with Barefoot Scientist Pure Grit. It's made with Icelandic volcanic sand, quartz, bentonite clay, magnolia bark extract, and avocado oil. It's an amazing first step in the bath. It smelled like eucalyptus. It was very spa-like, refreshing, and got that first layer of skin off. Next, I used the Barefoot Scientist High Dive when I got out of the bath, so I dried off my feet. It's really beautiful formulation. It contains 15 of the world's most effective moisturizers, including four types of hyaluronic acid, shea butter, glycerin, ceramide NG, podiatrist recommended urea, and other healing botanicals. My feet felt like they were wrapped in a moisture blanket afterward. Very different for a foot cream. Last, piece de resistance, the exfoliating booties. You only have to do this once a season and you're set. So this is it, this is like a peel, like a professional peel. It's going to get deeper down in seven days. I'm literally wearing them right now. In seven days, it's going to peel off like a little snake to reveal gorgeous, gorgeous skin underneath. <laughs> and Barefoot Scientist Reboot is specifically formulated with milder exfoliants to be gentler on sensitive skin. So it's AHAs, but they're like gentler. Love it. Plus, because Barefoot Scientist cares so much about their formulations, all their products are hypoallergenic, dermatologist-tested, cruelty-free, and free of phthalates and parabens. Right now, our listeners can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at barefootscientist.com using code BEAUTY. That's barefootscientist.com, code BEAUTY. Go get all of your foot care essentials right now at barefootscientist.com and enter promo code BEAUTY at checkout for 20% off your first order. I'm really curious, and Carlina and I have talked about this sort of like behind the scenes on our podcast, like before, you know, during the whole pandemic, we were like, how the F are people creating brands in a pandemic? Like I just picture you like, and I know you've kind of like talked about this too. You're like FedExing samples from like Italy and you're dealing with your investors and your team. And like, you know, can you speak specifically about like what this year has been like to like launch something? I wish I could write a book. I need to, I need to, (laughs) you should, this is an audible book right here. Go for (laughs) it. I hate it in history here. It was insane. It was insane. And it, and it, I, I tell you, like, I, this process has taught me so much about myself because you're just like, there's no way, there's no way you could do this. There's no way you could do that. And I started fundraising in April of 2020. That means that March hit in New York wow. and it was devastating. And, you know, if you were in New York at that time, it was just like ghost town. Like it was nothing to look forward mm-hmm. to. It was just really sad. And, you know, just going back to just equity, like we, we know that, you know, Corona hit home for me. Like my, my dad was sick for about four months and in and out of the hospital. And it was literally calls with investors who told me like why you need to exist because Fenty exists. And then calls with like doctors saying like, Oh, we're avoiding the ventilator today. Like he ate today or he has like an IV today. And I, I was just turning on and off, turning on and off. And I just remember thinking over and over again, I I kid you not. I remember thinking like when my dad leaves this hospital, because I know he will, he needs to see something. He needs to see that 
you know, him coming to America in 85 was worth it. He's not leaving us just here out here. I, I'm jobless right now, but I need to prove that this number one needs to exist. So it was motivation for me. It was a lot. It was very taxing. Um, but I had the support of my friends and my family and my mother at the time. And we closed our round in like July. So it was a very long process compared to like how many people raise. And not to mention that, on top of that, you have Black Lives Matter happen as well. And a lot of different conversations mm -hmm. happening in beauty where, you know, we were just so exhausted. <laughs> and I am a hopeless, romantic, optimistic, all those things. And I just knew that something had to give. And I knew that something good was going to come from this and that we would get on the opposite side of that if I just keep trying. That is literally what happened. So Closed it in July. And luckily we've been building, I've been building this for quite some time. So by the time July and August hit, I already knew who I wanted to hire. I knew that I had worked with them already. Um, I, it was basically time That's to great. play POs with the, with the contract manufacturer. So I was like ready to go. Um, so I just turned on and then I had to build a team from this laptop <laughs> and this phone. <laughs> And this mood board. I know. <laughs> over the entire year. And like, we might've met maybe like, not even the whole team. We might have met maybe twice in person. Um, and, and that was wild to test products out. So mm -hmm. I wish I could tell you that there was a blueprint, but honey, it was all just spiritual alignment and like, this got to get done. So I guess I got to do it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. And I love what also what really I think sets you apart. And especially as like a new beauty brand is like, you've put it all out there. You're like an oversharer. And I feel like that has really made people root for you. And like, it's so different than what a lot of brands have done, even indie brands, like everything's so hush hush, trade secrets. And you're just like, no, I'm going to show everything <laughs> and it's like, do it differently. And I think it's really made people root for you. Oh, thank you. Is that a conscious decision to do that? I get in trouble for it sometimes. <laughs> My brand manager is like, you don't put, put the phone down. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> Uh, it's a conscious decision because I re I just remember growing up in Harlem and not seeing an example at all. Like, I think the most exciting career day we had was like someone who came from like Uptown Magazine. She came and she's like, oh, I work at a magazine. I'm like, that is amazing. Like, what do you do? Like, how do I get there? Like, how do I quit college? Right. I mean, high school right now and work for you. So for me, it was really about like sharing this story in the sake of just uh, representation. Like I am a regular schmegler girl and I'm figuring it out together. And I don't know, this might not work out, but I'll tell you that I do work hard. I do listen and I do love beauty. And I, and I think that with that, you know, transparency, I can inspire people. I can invite people into the journey of like what it takes to actually make a brand, especially in the world of Instagram where every two days there's a new brand out there <laughs> and you have no idea yeah. what happened. You know, you got the JLo's of the world, the celebrities of the world. You got people that are yeah. influencers of the world that are new in this new wave of, you know, before we had the Paris Hilton like fragrance and Britney Spears. And now we have like influencer and brands <laughs> That's yeah. wave mm -hmm. of collaboration. So to be a quote unquote normal girl and not have a huge following was very important for me to show like the brick by brick process. Mm -hmm. I love that. I absolutely love that. I'm curious where, like you, you said you tapped into 400 people giving you, you know, so it was in some ways crowdsourced shades of Glossier a little bit there. Tell me like, where did you find that community? Cause that's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. You know what? So my Instagram is about like, I think we are like 11 K right now. So a lot of it was people mm -hmm. that I've been like rallying along the way. Some people have been following me since yeah. my time too. Um, only because I've always talked about beauty and I've always been just a product junkie. So 
on the weekends, going to Sephora, like, nope, don't buy this, not worth it. Don't do this, don't do that. So in a very small micro-influencer way, I think that a lot of a lot of our consumers came in that way. And then whenever I went to like panels and things where they could not pay me, I'm like, okay, well, you can't pay me, but can I tap into the newsletter and talk to your people and whoever wants to stay stays with me? And really trying mm-hmm. to understand like a barter system, like wherever I was when extending my, my kind of reach in any way, I would be like, okay, but like, how do we get more people into the fold? Um, so for a lot of mm-hmm. times, it was just that and like continuously driving stories home, like, hey, I really need your feedback on this. Or like, I'll see someone that I like love to, you know, listen to, to or trust their opinion. I'd be DMing them like, hey, girl, can I just send you a sample or like, what shade are you? Like, I can't figure it out. And then they would just say yes. And luckily we were able to have that, that group and like continues to grow. And we're trying to hold on to it as we scale because that's a very hard part as well. Um, so we're looking at different pockets of the internet to really be able to, to kind of just manage it and like uh, grow it a bit. So we're looking at platforms like Geneva. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're like uh-huh. a very engaged um, social media platform where it's just like your diehards, they live there. Um, they're giving you feedback. It's like multi- um, uh, multi, I guess you could say platform. So it's like audio, you can do a zoom call, you can do Slack. It's very a Slack as, um, a platform. And we've been tapping in there mm-hmm. too. Like, Hey guys, like this is launching, like, is the website working? Can you like look at this and do like a test checkout? And they, that's amazing. they help us. Yeah. yeah so that's good. awesome. Fantastic. My wheels are turning in my mind. I know that that's, <laughs> that's amazing. God, you um, social media kids, you rule the world. <laughs> Millennials. <laughs> yeah. Now you talked about funding and gaining funding during the pandemic, which couldn't have been easy. And I also understand that you're one of only 40 Black women ever who have been able to raise a million dollars in seed capital funding. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that and why you think that's still the case. I think it's crazy. <laughs> Okay, so if you don't know better, a million dollars, number one, sounds like a lot. It sounds like it's enough to like, you know, live for for a million days, like just in luxury. But it really is, um, you know, a, enough energy to, to kickstart an idea. So I know a lot of people are like, well, you got the money. I'm like, girl, do you know much inventory costs? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, just to backtrack a little bit, I mean, it's funny because even like pre-Black Lives Matter, there had been investors that I talked to. Some of them even forgot that I talked to them. And I told them that I, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't change anything about this deck. I didn't change anything. And at the time they were like, no, this feels like hourglass. Or you know what? Like, how about you just go to Emily Weiss or you go to Sheena and you ask them to create a black version of their company? I'm like, why? Oh my God. An investor's what? Wow. It's an email. I'm like, you you meant like it was on purpose. You typed it and you sent it. <laughs> mm. DMs to Estee Laundry. Joking. <laughs> <laughs> getting this feedback. I'm like, well, okay, but what if Rihanna does blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I am not worried about Rihanna. I know who I'm talking about. Here they are. Like, just, just believe in me. And it's just so frustrating because I, I knew people that were raising around the same time I was. I turned around and like two days later, they're like, yeah, we're like oversubscribed. I'm like, I'm not being a hater, but like, what did you do differently that I can apply to my process? And I realized very quickly that you know, it is a, a game and it's a, if you think of sororities, it's fraternity in, in another instance when it comes to capital funding. And if we go back to the source of, of funding in, in general, like it's starting in Silicon Valley and very tech heavy and very Facebook and all of that stuff. So these people are kind of like very group things. So when you come in and you have an Afro or a wig or anything like that, they're like, whoa, this doesn't feel familiar. This is, this is high risk, you know, all these things that, that are kind of pushed on you. 
or, you know, like, oh, you're doing this by yourself. Are you sure you can do that? Don't you need like a co-founder? Like, I suggest you go like find like a finance guy or kind of do that. I'm like, huh, I don't know if you're giving the same energy to the people that you just gave money to or, you know, the other non-Black people. So it was very frustrating and a lot of calls with other fellow founders that were looking for funding. And we had to like keep knocking at the door. And this is what I meant earlier with like, you know, things kind of breaking through. I think last year it took a lot of people to sit down and reevaluate their portfolio, reevaluate mm-hmm. how they're merchandising, the 15% pledge, all of these things. And they were like willing to take the phone call now. Um, so what would have been mm-hmm. a month for someone else or someone in my cohort took a year. And it's just so unfortunate because I feel like, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about investment in money, I'm like, what a quicker way to get money. Like, these are the girls that know, you know, these are the girls that buy and they're like devoted and they want to try things all the time. And like the wigs, the music, the accessories and beauty and fashion, that is the culture. So it was very um, disheartening and I just had to keep going at it. But yeah, I talked about like 150 investors and I think 10 of them said yes. Okay. Final question for you. So these are really early days. In fact, you will just be launching by the time this episode comes out. But uh, what do you think is next for your brand? Like, where do you hope to be a year from now? Or, or you know, what's what's like the ultimate dream with Ami Cole? Yes. I was getting nervous about that. I'm like, am I jinxing myself? I'm like, no, I spoke this brand. Mm. And we're going to keep doing that. Um, <laughs> I really... Manifest. Manifesting is the word. That is it. I really want this to become like a beauty destination. I don't know what that means, if it's digital or like in person, but I want it to be like, you know, you just walk in there or you like, you know, click in there and you just like, you can exhale. Um, I think we start with beauty products, but I really want to see like how we can really fortify and like tell these stories. Um, We were really, really cognizant about like who we use for creative and like tapping local artists, whether you live, you know, Akeem Snow was an amazing photographer emerging in Harlem. Uh, We went all the way to Senegal for the the, the brand campaign shoot, working with Jabril and Mad Pixel, Um, working with, you know, Senegalese creatives that understand our stories and understand our style of light skin, edit skin, all of that. So if we can make that 360 and encompassing, I think that would be a beautiful thing. Um, The first stride is actually in July when we have a moment that's like not beauty products, Um, just to test out very early on, but just to see like how it kind Mm. of manifests. So we're really excited about that. Um, But I think about beauty 360. I think about like how I feel when I wake up. I feel like, like, you know, we, we, we require a lot of energy to be able to show up in the world. So like, how do I, you know, ease the burden or how do I have those, you know, bath moments for us because we need it. Thanks for listening. You can find details on every product mentioned in today's episode, along with our exclusive promo codes on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Every episode will be delivered directly to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And get social with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at breakingbeautypodcast. And did you know we also have a private Facebook group? Just search Breaking Beauty Podcast chat room. You can even leave us a voicemail at any time with questions or feedback at 1-844-227-0302. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast fix. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can show us some love by writing a review. See you next Wednesday.